following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Malachi chapter 3 and you'll find this at the very end of the Old Testament section of the Bibles on page 961. That's Malachi uh, chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. And the New Testament reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, and you'll find that on page 1028 in the Bibles. That's 1028. Luke chapter 2, starting to read at verse 22. Jesus presented in the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. As the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Let us pray. Lord, may your word take root in our hearts and transform our lives. Amen. We are in Luke chapter 2. You may wish to keep open in front of you in your Bibles, page 1028, was it, I think? And our reading begins, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. That kind of really upbeat opening sentence that warms your heart, isn't it? Talk about jumping into the middle of a bigger story. So what does that mean? What does it refer to? What is going on? Let's take it slowly and work out what sort of bigger story Luke chapter 2 is part of. The people for whom the time had come are the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. The beginning of Luke chapter 2 is the famous Christmas reading. In that region there were shepherds in the fields. You can almost hear the rustle of tinsel and the little kids shouting, Glory to God in the highest! And smell the mince pies waiting at the end of the service. Those who only ever attend church at Christmas may be surprised to know that Luke's gospel carries straight on without pausing for breath to say, verse 21, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child, men in the room cross their legs and nod wisely. Circumcision of baby boys goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In other words, back even before the law of Moses. Although the law does repeat the idea, this is from Leviticus chapter 12. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. It marked out the men, literally, as belonging to God. Male readers of the Bible may prefer to appreciate this rather than think too closely about it. Women may not have much sympathy. They are the ones who give birth, after all. And according to that same passage in Leviticus 12, they are impure up until 40 days after the birth. Now, this does not mean that they've done anything wrong. Impurity is, by and large, a ritual issue in the Old Testament rather than a moral issue. Concerns over purity and impurity were about having a proper way of organizing life that respected matters such as cleanness and uncleanness. 
40 days after the birth of a baby boy, says Leviticus 12, the mother could come back into the sanctuary and be purified. Up until then, she is given space, time, peace, as much peace as you can have with a newborn baby, to attend to the newborn child. Some suggest that maybe we rush all too quickly past that sort of concern today with our determination to celebrate immediately. Celebration is good, but so is quietness and some space. So Leviticus says, 40 days before worrying about re-entering public life, uh, or in its own words, attending to matters of ritual purity. 40 days to do that before re-entering public life, which brings us back to the reading, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Technically, it's only Mary who needed the purification, but Luke says, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus. So they all came. This puts us in Jerusalem, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Work out when that is, allowing that they count the first day as day one Christmas Day. They didn't call it Christmas Day. Anyone know why? Uh, 25th of December is day one. And if you add 40 days, well, if you add 39 days to that, you end up with the 2nd of February. And lo and behold, traditionally the 2nd of February has been celebrated in churches, admittedly under a bewildering variety of names. So we have the Feast of the Purification of Mary in Catholic churches. Uh, we have Candlemas for interesting reasons that I will come to in a moment, uh, or most straightforwardly descriptive, and as we have called it today, the celebration of the presentation of Christ in the temple. That way of describing it, presentation of Christ, comes from the next bit of the first verse of our reading. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And the next verse, we're now in Luke 2, verse 23, if you're following along, it quotes from the book of Exodus about every firstborn male being consecrated or set apart as holy to the Lord. And then adds, they offered a sacrifice, a pair of doves, traditionally turtle doves. Do you remember the song? Two turtle doves. Uh, I looked that up, turtle doves are small doves. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, they offered a sacrifice, a pair of doves or two young pigeons, which again takes us back to Leviticus chapter 12, which says that a woman coming for her purification should bring a lamb to sacrifice, but if she can't afford a lamb, she should bring two turtle doves or pigeons. So, what have we learned so far? One. Everything that they were doing at this point was according to scripture. In fact, over half the references to the law of Moses in Luke's gospel occur in this passage. The reason why we have traditions in church at all, I want to say, is to help us to remember and to celebrate what scripture has told us, rather than because there is value about having a tradition for its own sake. We will end up having traditions of one sort or another, so having them based around scripture seems like a good idea to me. Two, Mary offered her baby son to the Lord in thankfulness for the remarkable gift of a boy. This lies at the root of tradition of Christian thanksgiving, 
for the birth of a child. Three, Mary came to be purified herself in recognition that she had been preserved through the trauma of childbirth. And this lies at the root of another tradition, which I don't think we use much anymore, perhaps for the reasons I alluded to about wanting to move on quickly to celebration. Anyone know what it is, was? Churching, the wonderful tradition of churching. If you want to know more about that, talk to me afterwards or get out more. Fourthly, if we are paying attention, we have learned that Mary and Joseph were poor. They could only afford the turtle doves option and not the lamb. Jesus was born into poverty and the law was designed to help the poor. On another occasion, that would be worth thinking about. I envisage a long sermon series on Leviticus. Are we excited? <laughs> Five, Jesus comes into the temple for the first time. In due course, the church would say Jesus was the light of the world. John's gospel says Jesus has Jesus himself saying, I am the light of the world. The light of the world enters into the heart of the faith in the temple. Simeon says later in the passage, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's you and me, for example, for those of us who are not Jewish. And the glory of your people Israel. In other words, from this light come other lights that will shine in the darkness. And so another tradition arose. Christians would bring their candles to church on this day and get them blessed to take that light out into the world for the coming year. All the candles in use in church would be blessed. Uh, there was a reason why the early church did not bless the electric light bulbs. I'll let you ponder that. So we might have turned up here at St. Nick's in the 14th century, those of you with very long memories will recall, for a service on this week of the year and prayed, Lord, bless all our lights for the year so that your light will shine in and through our own lights. Your light will shine in and through our own lights. And one final piece of tradition, the ancient Latin word for sending was missa, from which we get the word mass, the church is sent. And if you put all this together and celebrate the sending of the light, you end up with the word candle mass. Light of the world, shine upon us, shine in us, shine through us. Every time you switch on a light in your house, or possibly even put on a candle, remember this. Our lights are small reminders of the one true light who lightens the darkness, according to scripture. Well, you may feel that this sermon has sounded a bit like an episode of QI. And so having unraveled all of these traditions, uh, that help us join in with the historic Christian faith in celebrating this passage. Let's look briefly in conclusion at Simeon and Anna in the second part of the story. Now, says Luke, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. 
Here Luke moves on to tell of the two people who greet Mary and Joseph and Jesus on their trip to the temple. Simeon, by the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizes Jesus as God's salvation, which is literally what his name means in Hebrew. Simeon recognizes that this is the moment that was promised to him. He has seen the salvation of God in the baby Jesus. And he prays famously, I think, you may now dismiss your servant in peace according to your word or as you have promised. Uh, which, uh, if you said it in Latin, nunc dimittis, now you dismiss, will be prayed and or sung every day up and down the country in services of Evensong or Compline, uh, even to this day. Simeon also predicts that Jesus will cause separation between people. In other words, some will believe in him and some will not. In fact, even Mary herself will experience both the positive and the negative. A sword will pierce her own soul too. And then Luke adds a short piece about Anna, described as a prophetess. We know nothing about Anna from anywhere else. This is her only appearance in the Bible, and so for once we're on our own. This is what we are told. She is very old. Luke adds that she is, to quote him literally, a widow of 84 years, which either means that she is 84 and a widow, or that she's actually been a widow for 84 years after spending seven years married to her husband, which would make her probably over 100 years old. Either way, she is getting on a bit and has been a widow for most of her life. Secondly, the only thing we learn about her life is that she worships God in the temple night and day. She fasts and she prays. You get the impression that she has been doing this for 80 odd years. This is her way of life. It's what she is known for. Thirdly, she sees Jesus, praises God, and begins to tell everyone about him, that he is the redemption of Jerusalem. Luke doesn't actually record any of the words that she says, but still she gets to be recorded in Holy Scripture. Anna, the woman whose life was all about praising God. And in this, Anna's life models the very thing that the presentation of Christ in the temple, or candle mass, is all about. Coming to the light so that the light can shine in the world. She draws close to Christ in the temple and then says, Luke, she speaks about Jesus to all who were looking. We are not engaged in two separate and contradictory activities one where we gather together to draw close to God in worship, and the other where we go out into the world around us to tell people about God. Instead, in our coming together to worship in the presence of God, the light of Christ fills our lives and sends us out, to borrow a phrase, to live and work to his praise and glory. 
or to borrow a different phrase, to fill this land with the Father's glory. Shine, Jesus, shine. Sisters and brothers, we live in a world of considerable darkness. There are plenty of reasons to be afraid for the future of our world, our country, let alone those that we love and care about, whose lives are also full of troubles. It is easy to fear that the darkness may be winning. But Anna models a better way. 2,000 years later, the hero or the heroine of the day turns out to be an 84-year-old widow because very simply, she devotes herself to worshiping God. And thus, in so doing, she helps to change the world. This is true for us today, that we might make our own contribution to changing the world by dedicating ourselves to worshiping God day and night, by letting God's light fill our lives so that it overflows into the world around us. Draw near and worship, go out and shine. For some of us, 84 may seem a long way off. For others of us, not so much. What will people be saying about us when we are 84? He was a grumpy old so-and-so. Or, there goes someone who keeps worshipping God. The light of Christ keeps shining and the darkness will not overcome it. Candlemas, the sending of the light of the world in us and through us to all people everywhere. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.